Hi, everybody. Good morning. Um, we are we're excited to get to to get to kind of interview Ronnie this morning. Um, we are are going to we've talked about the sermon series for a while now, uh, and it's finally here. Uh, we're going to be talking about our our shared vision, mission, and values as a church over the course of the next um, six ish weeks. Um, and a lot of our a lot of our uh, sermon times aren't going to just be sermons. We're going to be doing some things like this, interviewing some different people, sometimes numerous people, um, that kind of thing. Uh, and I know that's kind of a change of pace, but we figured that'd be really cool to get to hear. Uh, and we're going to be inviting, like a, a lot of them will be from here, but some of, uh, so a lot of our speakers will be from here, but some of them will be from our, our greater family of churches. And we figured that there wouldn't be a better place to start uh, then with Ronnie specifically, um, we're going to be talking today about simple devotion to Jesus as one of our core foundational values uh, as a church, simple devotion to Jesus. Uh, and the reason that we wanted uh, Ronnie to, to come and speak to us on that, um, for those of you that don't know Ronnie, uh, I'll introduce him. Uh, Ronnie is the head pastor over in Garland of, of the Northeast Church. Uh, the Northeast Church, you know what I mean? It's the original, the OG, you know, I don't know. If you, if you don't know, this is one of a family of churches in the Metroplex. There's actually four others, five others, four others. Four others. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> come on. Yeah, yeah, whatever, Josh. Uh, so you're wrong. The main thing is that you know you're wrong. So um, uh, four other churches that, that we're a part of um, in, in starting in Garland, uh, you know, Ronnie started that church in Garland with a handful of families, uh, and it's grown uh, tremendously throughout the years, especially through our campus ministries, too, uh, which is something Ronnie has a real passion for. So if you're a college student, uh, know that Ronnie was a campus pastor first. And so um, we're excited to get to invite him here. We didn't think there would be anybody in our family of churches that could do a better job of explaining where we got this value from of simple devotion, devotion to Jesus. Um, and so, you know, the reason that we're, that we're doing this is that it establishes us together uh, as a church, our most foundational values so that we are our foundational values and goals as a church so that we together can move forward, understanding what those things are. So it'll bring us unity, but it'll also bring us a shared mission, uh, a shared vision of what it looks like for us as a church uh, to be within God's will moving forward in Christ. So we're excited to have Ronnie here for sure. Um, yeah. Are you done? Yeah. <laughs> um, so as Kurt mentioned when he was up a while ago, uh, we've known Ronnie for 30 years and we came from a church background that was a very legalistic um, that laid, in my opinion, a lot of burdens on people. There was a lot of trying to figure out what's the right thing to do. Um, very, a lot of emphasis on right and on our actions and, and what we do and not as much emphasis on grace and on God's actions. And so the first time that I heard the phrase simple devotion to Christ, I can just remember going, that's it. That's what we're looking for, is some a simple devotion to Christ. And so when I think about that, I think about what Ronnie taught us about that and how it transformed our relationship with Christ and our relationship with the body. And while it is a simple idea, it is not an easy idea. Those two things are not the same. Um, and so the first question we have for you today, Ronnie, is just when you think of the word devotion, what comes to mind? 
Um, <clears throat> let, let me say something to what y'all talking about the simplicity because I grew up in a very complex world. I've had about 10 different lives and that's just kind of God's doing and uh, phases of my life. But my life has always been complex and I've always been attracted to simplicity. Uh, I like simple pictures. I like simple stories. I like people that can take complex things and bring it down to something that is simple. And I think that's what real intelligence is. And at some point early in my Christian life, I was reading 2 Corinthians, and I came to 2 Corinthians 11.3, and for those that know me, I've read from a lot of different translations, so if my, if my quotations sound a bit merged, it's because they are, but I came to 2 Corinthians 11.3, and, and Paul was really defending his ministry, and 2 Corinthians became a book that I used a lot because, you know, Jesus obviously is the model, but Paul's our best example of somebody trying to use that model to live and do ministry. And 2 Corinthians is where he defends a lot of his ministry, which in doing so explains his ministry, which I needed. Uh, and he, he said something to them in 2 Corinthians eleven three, and he said, I, I'm afraid that just as the serpent the old King James was beguiled Eve by his cunning. As he deceived her through his, through his subtlety, the NIV says, I fear that your minds will also be corrupted from the simplicity which is in Christ Jesus. And for somebody that had liked simplicity and craved it, just what are we doing here? And trying to make sense of a crazy life, that word simplicity really captivated me. Now, the NIV brings in and, and translates that a pure and sincere devotion to Christ. And, and I think those are the same thing. It's just, I'm married to one woman. I've been married to one woman for nearly 50 years now. Um, I go home every night. I, I get up with her. If she called me right now, I'd be on the road. Um, she's my wife. I'm devoted to Tana, and she's devoted to me. That doesn't mean we've always liked each other or agreed on things because we both were screwed up, but we're devoted to each other uh, because we made a covenant, and devotion to Christ is just that. Um, you're not your own. You were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body, and and when you when you get that, it's the it's the sweetest debt you'll ever have to pay, as the old, you know, country song says, um, because you can't outgive God. You, you do something for him, and then he just does more. He just does more. And, and in his own time and in his own way, but his timing is perfect, and so it'll come at the right time. I, I walked on the UNT campus um, on really a little scouting trip uh, from, I'd moved back to Oklahoma, and I was called by God in the ministry, and I committed to God in ministry, so whether I was in a church or on payroll or whatever, I 
never, I always knew my calling. And one of my calling was to drive campus ministry. God used that to find me. And I saw what he did to a lot of other people. And I thought, why are we not doing this? But I came down here and, you know, you were talking about waiting on God. Uh, that was um, over 30 years ago, right there. And and, and I was just pretty overwhelmed walking the UNT campus. And then I drove a little bit around the town um, because I was going to come down here and get a master's degree and just start over. And I did start over and it was very daunting. But I remember thinking and I'm sure praying, God, how I don't have a church. I don't know anybody here. How would we ever do campus ministry here and and it's just but I trusted him and but it just goes back to simplicity when you just say but God but God it's just and that's what it means to be devoted I made a commitment to God that I would never leave I would never stop I would never give up and I can't tell you I haven't wanted to quit a lot that I haven't been discouraged. I've, I've, I've been pretty beat up in, in church. But unlike a lot of my compadres that I saw quit, well, if the church is that way, I never worked for the church. I was never a hireling. I worked for God. And if the church didn't treat me right, what does that have to do with God? And when you have the role model of Jesus, you're going, well, gee, I think I deserve better. Um, so, that's devotion is I made a 100% commitment to God and I fail at it every day at the, at the actual level, but not at the heart level, not at the heart level. I, I burned all the bridges and I'm all in and I have been all in my family, every penny I got, every bit of strength I got, and that's all I got. And that's, I don't have to get up every day and wonder, what am I going to live for? What am I going to be when I grow up? What am I going to do? I don't know what all of that secondary. I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to be God's man, and that's what I'm going to do. So whatever I do, I'm going to be God's man doing it. That's good. What exactly have you seen in, in culture and in Christianity that leads you to prioritize that value so much? Well, you know how complex that question is as much as anybody, but... That's why I asked. I want to stump you. Satan, he does his deal in darkness. And complexity is just one of those forms of darkness. He just makes it so complex. And um, that's what divides us. We're not going to ever fix sin. We're not ever going to figure it out. And we, and then we think we're super spiritual because we take positions and argue and fight. No, no, that's not spiritual. As Paul told the Corinthians, I couldn't address you as spiritual. I'd address you as worldly. You're this quarreling among you. You're still worldly. Um, Jesus is Lord just simplifies it. I'm not Lord. You're not Lord. My church isn't Lord. Your church isn't Lord. We've got one Lord, and he is the bond of peace, and that's what we agree on. 
and it, it pulls us back to the divine middle um, so that we're not running to one side of the ship or the other and sinking the thing. And we, we divide because we want to look unique. We want to be special. There's no place more special than just being Jesus's. You know, we're, we're a child of God. We're, we're the children of God. And anything else is just secondary to that. We've been marked with the Holy Spirit. In the spiritual realm, the, the evil spirits know who in the heck you are. And they know you can invoke one name and have authority over them. They know who you are. Do you know who you are? You know who's sitting next to you? You're married to one of God's daughters there. Do you realize who, who God gave you? I yeah, have one Adam. daughter, and I gave her in marriage to a guy. I know, I know what that feels like. And it's like, you know, yeah, you know, when your sons get married, there's just a little bit different psychology there. There's a kind of a vulnerability with your daughter. Um, but, you know, when you're dealing with God's people, it simplifies everything. But Satan, he makes this world so complex. And, and we're just going from one, he, he barks and yells, and we clamor and run and scream and, and fight and run into each other. And no, be still and know that I'm God. Stop. But you, oh, man of God, must keep your head in all circumstances and do the works of your ministry. Stop. That spirit of self-discipline that, that Paul told Timothy God has given us, that word self-discipline means a balanced head. <laughs> you think it's straight. You're not crazy. And Satan has made our world so complex, and it just covers us with darkness. And, and we play into it. We have, we have one thing we have to do, and that's look at the light of Christ. Just follow him. Just keep, keep your eye on that light. And in the middle of the darkness, we're going to get the best outcomes. We're going to do the best things we can do, whether it's in the church, with, with the person sitting next to us, with our parents, our children, um, because we, we know who the enemy is, and it's not the other people. I don't care how different they are from we, but you know, from how we are, but they, um, yeah. So we just have to realize this complexity is from Satan. He's the prince of darkness, and he blows smoke all over us. And, and yet we have the light of Christ. So if you're looking down, you're going to be in a fog. And if you're looking up, you're going to see the light, and you just follow that light. And and when we do that together, we're going to walk in as much harmony as is possible among humans, even though we, we may not know what the destination, destination of this leg of the journey is or how God's going to fix it. But, you know, the boat, the boat, a storm raging, it was dark, it was scary, and the, the apostles panicked. Jesus really didn't he, didn't, he didn't really calm them down the way they would go. Oh, he says, you have little faith. 
what the heck are you guys doing? And he got up and just said, stop. And I just picture him kind of going back to finish his nap. And these dudes are sitting around saying, who is he? Oh, they were getting it. And you know, those days where you just kind of see that God does it for you, you just say, who are you, God, that you're mindful of me, that you heard that little prayer, that cry, I was just so screwed up, and you just fixed something, it just fixed it, that's what I've called God deals, and you know, Grant hates that, so y'all use God deal a lot to Grant, I've heard through the grapevine that he doesn't like that expression, but so... I was going to say, just reflecting on the comment about Satan, you know, being somebody who complexifies things, just thinking of, you know, Adam and Eve in the garden and God saying, don't eat from that tree. Like do, yeah, it's all good. Just don't eat from that tree. And Satan comes along and he just makes it, doesn't he make it more complex? Did God, did he really say that? Now, when he said it, did he mean this? And is he holding you out? Isn't he holding back on you because of this? Uh, so that seems to, to, to definitely stand to the scriptures, but I can, I can foresee, you know, you know, people and, and some of us thinking like, man, Ronnie, the world, the world though, is a really complex place. There's tons of really complex problems in the world. How do we, how do we juxtaposition that reality with this simple devotion to Jesus? What's that look like? Well, when you look at, I'll just use it. What comes to my mind immediately is Paul's letter to the Corinthians in first Corinthians, their problem was division. They were, but, but really the problem wasn't division. They were unspiritual and there was division because they weren't filled with the spirit of God, even though for some reason today, we use the Corinthian church as the definition of what a spirit filled church looks like. They were probably the least spiritual. Now the gifts of God were there, but those were the gifts of God, not people being spiritual, but Every problem that he brings up, they were divided by name, and he brings them back, you know, I want you to all agree so that there's no division among you. I mean, we've been taught to divide. We celebrate independence. Nobody's going to tell me what to believe, but, but it's just like, again, being married. You know, if you're going to go to lunch together, and you guys are going to have to agree we're going to eat home, we can go somewhere. That doesn't have to be any of our favorite place. We just got to agree on some place to go eat lunch. So, you know, and that's why we have to think about what agreement is. And that's let God be true and every man a liar. What, what's the big deal here? And let's do that. Make sure we're all doing that and then give everybody the freedom to do it the best way they see fit. Well, he goes through that. And his, his question there is, Christ divided. And what you see, if you go through there, is Christ is the answer, the solution to every one of their problems. He brings them back to Jesus. Immorality, you're not your own. You were bought with a price. Glorify God in your body. Just do the deal. You've been bought. Now, just go do that deal. Your body's God's. So, you know, it, it really does simplify that. When you look at, at Ephesians, you know, 
he, he gives this new pattern of relationships based on Jesus. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. You know, it's the right side up kingdom, not the upside down. The kingdom is right side up. The world is upside down and because it's made in God's image. And so submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. But we serve downward, not upward, because Jesus serves from here. You know, if you want to move a mountain, you don't move it by grabbing the top and swaying it. It just rocks. You get under it, and then when you move, the whole mountain moves with you, and that's the way Jesus moves mountains. He gets beneath it, and if you want to lead people, get under them, and then when you move, they're going to move, and they're going to look and realize they just moved, but that's what we do. We build our lives on the solid rock of Christ, and when he moves, we just move. And that's, you know, again, it simplifies, but submission, submission out of reverence for Christ. It's not out of reverence for each other. It's okay. Jesus is Lord. These are his people. Don't you mess with them. These are the children of God that you're sitting with. This church here is sacred. And this idea of that we walk around and headbang and smart off and criticize God's listening don't claim to love God and not love his church. And not just in this room, I'm talking about his church. Who are we to be the standalone critics of everybody? You know, and trust me, I have to fight that just like everybody else, but it's okay. So that's why then he says, wives submit to your husbands as to the Lord. And, and, Christians fight about this all the time. He's already told us all to submit to one another that way. So wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. And then he tells about husband's submission. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. The standard of the husband is higher if you want to just argue the text, much more submission than what he called, because the church is pretty crappy when it's when we submit to Christ, right? So, you know, then he, he just goes through that. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Parents, don't exasperate your children. Children, bring them up in devotion to God. You know, slaves, obey your masters. You know, you got the same master. Just serve them like you would Jesus. Masters, treat your slaves like Christ treats you. It's like, whoa. See, the new standard, it just simplifies. It's the old bracelet that people wear. What would Jesus do? Well, the problem is we don't know what Jesus would do because we're so obsessed with our own personal justification theology. We haven't bought into God's justification theology where what Jesus did justifies us and nothing else. Our justification theology is I'm going to look at Jesus and figure out how to justify whatever I want to believe or do. And that's not the justification of Jesus. And we're really good at that. The Pharisees were. You have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God and turning to your own traditions. See, we can do that too. So when we, when we really get into Jesus and just, you know, make that our deal, we're going to get the best outcome we can get because we're already filled with his spirit. So he's going to work on the inside, but we've got to behold his glory. See, listen, beholding his glory. He's talking about being in the presence of Jesus there in 2 Corinthians 3. Beholding his glory, we are being transformed into his likeness 
with ever increasing glory. And all of this is from God, who is the spirit. Ours is just to be with him. Behold it all day long. Look at that light. Watch him. Read him. Think about him. Recount. And, and the spirit will transform us. But we're carnal because we get so obsessed with ourselves and each other and what people think of us. Um, Ronnie, will you, will you quote whenever you're saying scripture more often? Cause I don't think that, I think that's lost on some sometimes he just quoted a big block of scripture. And I think you might've thought, Oh, Ronnie's saying that thing. And you might've been like, that's kind of crazy. The whole beholding the glory of God thing. He was actually just quoting verbatim from scripture on that. So would you just do that for those of us that, um, you know, that might sound a little bit, especially cause you're, you're quoting some like 1960s, KJV or something like that. that's, that's 1700s. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Sure on the same page. All right, Leslie, go ahead. So in thinking about our day-to-day lives, what does it practically look like to develop and live out a simple devotion to Christ? Well, Hebrews 3, 1. Fix your thoughts on Jesus. <laughs> you know, Colossians 3, 1 and 2. Set your minds on things above where Christ is seated. Set your heart on things above, not on things on the earth. You know, it's, it's about getting up and tuning your channel into God again. And it, it you know... To get your mornings right, you got to get your nights right. Guys, most of what we do after about 10 o'clock is selfish. We're just playing, goofing off, whatever. But for the, for the man or woman of God, most of what we do before 7 o'clock is spiritual. So carve out a little bit of that time. And most of our, our, most of our productivity comes early. But if you're exhausted at 645 because you stayed up and played video games and was selfish, you're not going to have any of that best time of the day for God. Be careful. Most of us feel personally attacked right now. (laughs) Well, the reason I asked them to interview me is I usually offend multiple people every time I just preach. And so I, I didn't come up here to offend you because I really love you guys and care about you. And I don't know what you need. I don't know what your communication styles are, but I'm, I'm old school. Um, you know, I'm old and I'm old school. I grew up with preachers that got in your face and they were, had prophetic gifts. <laughs> so I can do that. So I have to, uh, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to do that to any of you. So it, it just starts tuning your channel every morning. You know, it, it's just having, for me, quiet time is not about oh, I've got to read this much scripture and I've got to say this much prayer and throw your scorecards away for crying out loud in every area of your life. Just throw them away. Quit counting how many hours you pray. You know, God would rather have, you know, three hours of you saying one thing multiple times that you really mean than you going through another list again and telling him what he needs to do as if you know. Um, you know, and I'm not saying don't have list. I'm not. It just stay, keep it simple. Just, you know, focus. Okay, I'm God's man. This is what I'm doing. And, you know, today. And sometimes that's reading the scripture. Sometimes it's 
listening to something. It's listening to music. Sometimes it's singing. Sometimes it's writing. Um, but but it that really is it. It's the it's the foundation of your day, and then you can build on that because you're going to realize that if you go to school, that's your vocation. But that's not something apart from God. We don't have anything that's not sacred. When you go take care of your babies, that's very sacred to God. You know, when you go, you know, encourage somebody or say hello to your roommates or fix somebody a cup of coffee, there's nothing unspiritual that children of God do. It's we, whatever your hands find to do, work it out, work at it with all your heart as though serving God and, and not people. Colossians 3.23. So, you know... <laughs> You know, it's if any man speak, let him speak the word of God. Now you can look that one up, <clears throat> but that is scripture. You know, I've written your word on my heart that I don't sin against you. Psalm one nineteen eleven. You know, preach the word. Be urgent in season and out of season. You know, again, Second Timothy four two and following. Uh, you know, it's you just kind of fix your thoughts on Jesus. And that's what you do all day long. It's just, your mind's going to drift. That's <clears throat> when it does, you whoop, bring it back, tune it back in. The old tuner radios, you just tuned them back and they would jump off, off the channel and you'd have to kind of tune them back in a little bit. But that's us. And sometimes we're way off. We need to just press the button again now on the new ones and get us back to where we started um, so that we don't, we don't let the world distract us. Um, so, guys, here's what God wants from you. He wants to look in your heart and see, this is my man. This is my woman. The eyes of the Lord roam the earth, seeking to strengthen the hearts of those that are wholly devoted to him. Second Chronicles 16.9. You know, it's just, that one all the time. it just seems, I don't know. Uh, I went to a funeral at a church of Christ yesterday and guys, that's the church of my origin. And, you know, <clears throat> so I have the right to be a little critical of them. That's my family. I left so depressed and that was the deal. You quoted scripture and you made sure everybody knew it. And so mm -hmm. I, I really have a hard time doing that, but yeah, I wanted to comment on that real quick too, because, um, you know, I, we, we joked, we joked about it, you know, even in this talk, but um, one of the things that I would connect with this simple devotion to Christ is knowing Christ through the scriptures, uh, coming to know God through the scriptures. And one of the things that I think if, if we're talking about that, the world in its way tends to, uh, to, to complicate and to, to darken cloud our understanding of things and, and God in his way tends to illuminate it. Then I wonder how much of the stuff we read and hear and so on, on a weekly basis is strictly rooted in the world versus actually rooted in God and rooted in scripture. Um, and I, I would draw that connection for us in terms of a simple devotion to Jesus, uh, that connection being a knowledge of the scripture an intimate knowledge of the scripture and what uh, the scripture says about who God is, uh, with actually being able to be devoted to him as well. So yeah, just pointing that out. So we have um, a few axioms. Actually, let's be honest, we have a lot of axioms. 
Um, but we have a few that a lot of people in here have heard. One of them you've mentioned, well, both of these you've mentioned this morning, the doctrine of inclusion. And if you call Jesus Lord, we call you brother or sister. And so how are those related to this value of simple devotion to Christ? Well, look at how he led the apostles himself. You know, he I, certainly they were all Jews because that's to the Jew first. And he said, that's where the gospel is going to go first, because that's how God chose to disseminate, you know, the spirit to pour out the spirit on all flesh, but it starts somewhere. And so he started there and that was his whole deal. Um, so I'm, I'm trying to think about how to shape this. What do you most want me to address here? Just how the, why we do inclusion? Yes. Like okay. how does that relate? You just look what something. he did. All nations will flow into it. Isaiah 2, 3, and 4. You know, the that was God's plan from the beginning. They were to be a light to the Gentiles. That was God's plan from the beginning. They, he sits on David's throne. Look at who David led. Just go back and look. It said all the crooks and all the problem people and troublemakers all came to David and he led them. Um, seriously. that's And that's, I think that's 2 Kings 2.22 or something like that or 22.2 or something, but you can look it up. It's good. Google knows. I don't remember, but, but you look at Jesus and that's what he did. I mean, his, his staff included a tax collector who was hated, a zealot who hated the tax collector and pretty much everybody else who was a Jewish terrorist. And then he had two sons of thunder that wanted to bring fire down from heaven. If somebody didn't listen to him, just burn them up. And Peter, who wanted to teach Jesus a thing or two about life and everything else. And, and then, you know, he had a, he had a prostitute who had been demon possessed that hung out with him and, you know, and like, he's a friend of sinners. He's a glutton and a drunkard. And, and we're what we're going to scrub ourselves up and act like we're all something. If I ask just a few questions in here, how many guys have looked at porn this week? How many girls have looked at porn this week? How many of you have lusted after somebody? How many of you masturbated? How many of you had an affair? How many of you have been drunk? How many have done drugs? How many have hated somebody or been greedy or selfish and didn't share? How many of you cussed at people out on the roads? We'd be a ragtag looking group, right? Go ahead and raise your hands if you, you know any <laughs> Anybody, if anyone did any of those things. Well, seriously, I could go on. Let's just do pride. That's the worst of the sins. And how many of us have been prideful a little bit once or twice this week? My gosh, I get prideful about quoting scripture. You know, we relate to it. When I try to do good, evil is right by my side. You know, just go read all of Romans 7 if you want to hear that text. You know, it's just, I, I can will what's right, but I can't do it. It's, oh, wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this sinful body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen to that. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord, because therefore there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ has set me free from the law of sin and death because what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by my sorry self, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering for us. So he condemned sin. 
He condemned sin. That's what God did for us. That's Romans 8, 1 to 4. How about that? Uh, but, you know, so inclusion. You know, it's what Peter had to learn. I mean, he was still a racist after he had preached that God was going to give the Holy Spirit to all he called even those who far off. He knew what that language meant. Those who are far off, he knew that was not talking about people down in South Judea. He didn't like it, but he knew what it was, that he's calling the Gentiles, and he said he was going to. But even then, he had to have this vision, and what the vision, what God told him in the vision, let no one call unclean what I've called clean. You know? And that was... What he had to see, Acts chapter 10, go read the calling there of that, that vision that he had. And, and, and then God poured his spirit out on these Gentiles, uh, this Roman dude that was equally hated. And that's how God introduced the gospel to the Gentile world. And, and in the meantime, Peter said, can anyone forbid water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit? just like we did, the apostles, us really special people. And God poured it out on these pagans over here. So now, who are weak to exclude anybody? And don't let us call unclean anything God has called clean. God so loved the world. And that means people outside your sphere and, and those people that we want to look back on, like our parents who weren't perfect and our siblings and our old churches. He loves them too. And he wants us to love them and get over ourselves. So the, the, and the doctrine of Jesus is Lord is just, you know, 1 Corinthians 12, 3. No one can say Jesus is Lord, but by the Holy Spirit. See, it's this, it's this overarching principle. Not, not that someone that doesn't know God can't call him Lord. Jesus says many people called him Lord that are not going to, will never have been saved back in Matthew 7, 21 to 23. So he clarified that, but he's just saying this spirit. It's the same thing he shares in Romans 10, 9 and 10, that it's, this, it's, it's not a verse of how to be saved. It's a verse about what it means to be saved, that if you confess with your lips Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised from the dead, you're going to get saved. You got it. <clears throat> it becomes easy from there. It doesn't matter. I don't care. It says, beat your head against the wall, and that'll make me happy. I'm just going to go hit my head on the wall. I, you know, we just live by trust. I don't have to figure it out anymore. So <clears throat> it's back to the simplicity. Jesus is Lord. I'm not. You're not. Nobody else is. And if you confess Jesus is Lord, you can only do that by the Holy Spirit. It doesn't mean you're saved. It just means God hadn't hardened your heart to the point that you can't say it. And he can do that too, by the way, and has done that and will do that. So it's a privilege. It's an act of grace that you have faith. It's an act of grace that you can say Jesus is Lord. It's an act of grace that you can believe that. It's all a gift of God. It's not by works. For by grace, you've been saved through faith. You know, not by works. It's just this gift of God. No one gets to boast. It's all from God good yeah and just to kind of tie like because that's you're you're kind of um uh 
what, what I can't think of it all of a sudden. The water, the water thing on the street. A oh, water fire hydrant. Oh, there you go. Finally, <laughs> Woo. brain. My big, brain's big, old. Big word. My brain. Big word. Big word. Fire hydrant. Two, two syllable. Um, so you're kind of fire hydrant uh, ing some stuff. So I want to make that connection real quick as a as a bow on that section. Um, I think whenever you're talking about this 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 uh, value of simple devotion to Jesus. And we also talk about this doctrine of inclusion. What we're essentially saying is we don't feel like we've got the ability to exclude people from the kingdom. That seems like something the Pharisees were intent on. Um, And a part of this simple devotion to Jesus means simply accepting people into the community of believers where they're at, you know, that kind of stuff too, which I think is cool. Um, So we've only got a couple minutes left. Uh, Let's think like five minutes. Okay. Um, And I'm just, I'm just going to throw that number out there as just a random number. Um, so just kind of asking if you have any, you know, uh, final encouragements, exhortations uh, for, for this community specifically, uh, especially in regards to this simple devotion. Um, well, I want to say, first of all, that I'm proud of you. Um, I, I keep in touch. I know a lot of you. I know a lot of you really well. And Garrett and I meet pretty much every week, and I kind of get to hear from him. I'm tight with Brad. Josh and I are starting to get to know each other. And, and, you know, he's got a lot of problems. But, you know, we'll bring him along. You know, I think God is proud of you. You know, it's God wants to do a new thing in the church. He wants to break. God's uniting. And we need movements of church communities that are not building walls and wearing brand names and making names for themselves and just grassroots Christians that are just grassroots Christians. We're just, here's what we're going to do. We're going to love people today. We're going we're gonna to serve God. And if he wants to do a mighty thing through us, so be it. And if we were obscure, so be that. But I, the message that I would want to throw into that is just realize that life is this incredible, incredible gift from God. Physical life, yes, but he breathed into them the breath of life. And I know it's just so hard for us to grasp the delectable treat that life is. And life is not, eternal life is not about doing, it's about being. And and God, God wants you to be. That's what the Sabbath day was. Stop doing and just be today, because God is not the great I do. He's the great I am. And, and that's, that's how we're going to live forever, is this, this great being of life that we, we can taste, but we can't grasp. And, and we get so harried, you know, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God, you know, and he gives us the key. 
Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness, forbearance be made known to all. The Lord is near. Jesus is here. He's in the keel of the boat for crying out loud. You know, <laughs> you wake him up, he may chew you out a little bit for being dumb, but, but that's what he does. He's dad. So if you're in trouble, call him. If you're in big trouble, call him real fast, you know, and he'll come. He's not far from any one of us. So, you know, uh, yeah, just learn what it means to be a Christian. To be a child of God, the whole creation is groaning, waiting for the children of God to be revealed. And God wants to reveal you. And I have to quote that scripture too. I can't remember what I just said. Yeah, uh, that's Romans 8. So, yeah, that's it. Is you, a lot of you are young. Don't, don't apologize for being young. It's a gift. But don't denigrate being old. You know, everybody gets to be young. You know, there's some bummer things about being 70, but there's a whole lot more good things. I have four beautiful kids that are married and doing real well, and I have four beautiful granddaughters. You don't get there by being young, and they love me. And I got a text in the middle of church from my daughter thanking me for the way we had raised her and the examples we'd done. It's just every day, you know, it just gets better. But enjoy being young and being vibrant and being alive and, and thank God for it. It's a gift that can be taken from you like that, both your physical life, but even your eternal life. And, and don't apologize for who you are, what you are. Celebrate. It's an appointment. Be you the best you can because it's an appointment you were given. There's never going to be another one like you, never has been one like you. Go do you really well. And when you do that, you're going to look more and more like Jesus because you're made in his image and, and you'll just become like him. So. Yeah. Thank you for sharing with us this morning. It's a real treat for us to get to have you here, both for the small group leaders meeting before and during church today. And thank you for grounding our family of churches in the truth that Jesus is Lord. I think that's been one of the biggest, um, blessings for our family of churches is that we're firmly grounded in that and pointing people to Jesus. And you set that tone for us. Um, and we appreciate that. Well, I'm honored to be here. Thank you for letting me be here. So I'm going to pray for us. And then Josh is going to come up and do the announcements. And God, we are so grateful and so thankful for the family of churches that you've put us in. Um, we thank you for Ronnie and for the wisdom that came from you in starting our family of churches. And uh, we just thank you for um, getting to live out a life of simple devotion to Christ. God, help us to know, help us to seek what that looks like. Help us to live what that looks like and help us to live like Jesus did. Help us to love scripture and to know Jesus through the scripture. Let us be, let that be our goal, Lord. Um, Father, I just pray that uh, we would take what we learn about him and share that with people, both inside the church and outside the church. Help us to be good news to people like Jesus was good news to us. 
Um, and we just pray that we would um, glorify you in the way that we live, that we bring honor to you. We love you so much in Jesus name. Amen. Thanks for joining us for our sermon podcast. We would love for you to join us on Sunday morning or in one of our small groups during the week. And you can get more information about that at DentonNorthChurch.com.